We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The first question that we'll have here, Tim, T-Guns, Crocs, and Glock says, what are the odds that Coach Holtz put an, uh, a championship curse on Notre Dame before he left like Babe did when he left Boston? I do not think Coach Holtz has ever rooted against Notre Dame, um, but there have been coaches, and I don't mean Charlie Weiss, that could have put a curse on Notre Dame yeah. when they left and also while they were there. Yeah, I can Actually, think of the the uh, guy that proceeded Proceeded, right? Proceeded. Lou Holtz is definitely one. He was doing seances in South Bend trying to put voodoo curses on Notre Dame the way that uh, his tenure went. Yeah. I'm sure Brian yeah. BK wouldn't be too happy. Not that you, Brian. No, I think BK he's the kind – he strikes me as the kind of guy that would root against the team to have success because then he doesn't want it – you know, he God forbid anyone think that I, you know, someone could do better than me or – He'd probably I be happy to see them in a playoff game situation. Then, then he could be happy for your ex-teammates yeah. type of thing. But, yeah, yeah. no, I, I don't think Coach Holtz did that. No, I mean, there's something he, though. He loves this program. I mean, I, I, it's kind of like Jerry Faust. I mean, you know this. Jerry, Jerry Faust was had no business being that coach in Notre Dame. But I've seen him around enough to like this guy. Genuinely has a tremendous love for Notre Dame, and that's how Coach Holtz was. And you know what, Charlie's that way. I mean, Charlie had reasons. The yeah, way that his children were cheated, treated by some fans, and it wasn't most, but it was a a vocal enough group of obnoxious, really ridiculous people to, to say, I, I would have a hard time and I'm not even a parent. I would have a hard time still having affection for that place. Right. And he does. He still does yeah. from every, everybody I've ever talked to. He still does. Maybe not always at the people, but uh, you know, he still loves Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think Brian Kelly ever loved Notre Dame. It was just a, it, Brian, Brian Kelly's the, the TO of coaches. Love me some me. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I think Kelly peaked in his Notre Dame allegiance in that 1718 when he when he restored what was what he lost in 16. I think that yeah. was his wheelhouse, 1718. And then you could see in 2020 when they had such a good year, you're looking like, what are you why are you talking about your talent level right now? <laughs> yeah, you your playoff loss, man. It's a playoff yeah. game. Let's move right. on. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Oh, where I where he come where I was just uh, probably the most pissed I've ever been is when I'm watching the Wisconsin game, 
in 21. Because if you remember, I couldn't I couldn't attend certain games that year because of the, right. the vaccine stuff. And that, that was one of those ones I couldn't be at. So I had Vince at that game. And I'm watching and I'm listening to Joel Klatt talking about basically what he's been told about this team. And basically like talking the team down the entire time. And I'm like, you know where it's coming from. And you're just like, you know, like this is what you've spent the last two years doing is talking down your time. Bro, that you're in year 11, 10. Who's responsible for that? Who's responsible for acquiring that talent? Is, is that Those are two very frustrating years. And he would act like it was not in his control. You know, like, oh, you know, it's like like you inherited it. Like, you know, like you're in 2010 and 2011 again. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Rob Osgood said, welcome LT. That'd be Logan Thomas of the class. Is his recruitment an indicator of a shift to a 335? I'm going to ask you this question first, Tim. And I have an opinion on this too. I know the recruits all have length, size, and speed. So is it an indicator of a shift to a 335? I don't know that's an indicator to a shift to 335. Um, I do think there's a shift in body type that they, that is, as Rob mentions here, that the length and the speed, but I, I feel like, they still need to be multiple four down, but as we talked about previously on this podcast, nickel is the actual starting position now in college football for most teams, mm-hmm. and I think it will be again for Notre Dame. It was obvious it had to be last year because Tariq Bracey was just one of the best players on the team, and he had to be yeah. in that spot. I don't think it's a full shift to a 3-3-5. I do wonder every once in a while I hear it was a transcript with either camera for talking to Washington or Golden when he said we can go to a four down, I was like, what do you mean you can go to a four down? <laughs> you have to be able to go to a four down. You play a four down. And that I thought yeah. to myself, oh, that's now I know what they're working on in the spring. So this is not without merit, but I don't think it will be a full shift. I think multiple is the, is the future. Agree. I, I think they're going to want to try to find more ways to get into a five defensive back alignment. Yes. That I think and, the five is key there. Yes. Yeah. And they want to be able to do it at a four down and they want to be doing out of three, three. And I think that I, but I don't think I'll say this. I don't think Logan Thomas's recruitment has anything to do with that. I think it has more to do with 
why you shifted Josh Burnham and Junior Tillamaka to linebacker. Right, right. You know, recruiting a press and center and just the overall numbers they're recruiting a linebacker, they're not pushing for guys in the 23 class or 24 class the way that a team that wants to be a base three-down defense would be pushing for guys, in my opinion. So I think they want to be a hybrid team, to your point, Tim. I think they want to be a team that consistently has five defensive backs on the field. And honestly, when you look at part of that's schedule-driven. Has to be. Yeah, that's when, true. When, that's a good point. And, when you look and, at the three, go ahead, Tim. What quality rope? I mean, like it's also it could be personnel driven too. Like you don't have to do that when Jeremiah Usu Koromoa is your rover. You're not going to keep getting Jeremiah Usu Koromoa as your rover necessarily. Now I love Jaden Osbury. I like him at rover too. But once again, we're 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 comparing Buckus Winner to a guy right. I really like after watching film in a Blue right. game. So I, I think even then. I think you can make a case that you need to have more nickel options because when you're playing Ohio State, Clemson, USC, in the current versions, if you're having Jeremiah Wusu Koromo playing rover the entire time, you're now taking out of him him out of his wheelhouse of impacting the football because yeah. they're going to run more vertical routes where you can say, hey, look, go with a nickel, then move him inside, let him like they did. They did that a lot against North Carolina in 2020. Is they had him coming off the edge. They put five DBs in the field. They'd kind of, they went to sort of like some, a mix between three and four downs, if you remember. And then he was attacking off the edge and playing inside backer at times in that game because of the nature of how they were playing. And they did it, I think, out of a four down most of the time, but did still did some three downs. So it just, like you said, it's, it's driven, but you have to have answers on the perimeter when your, your three best teams in your schedule are. USC, Ohio State, and Clemson in no particular order. And then your secondary opponents are Duke and Louisville and NC State. I mean, the only team that you could argue maybe you might need to be more of a traditional alignment for that's one of your top opponents is Pitt. Pittsburgh, right. That's really it. And so that's part of it, too. And so you have to get through your schedule before you can worry about how we match up against Georgia. But I think the multiple piece – go ahead, Tim. A final point on this for me is uh, I think Al Golden made a good point when he said spring this we put in a lot last spring and last fall. This spring is weeding out what we don't need. We're making it schedule specific this year to your point about what you need. That is a year two growth in a staff too. you put in everything you believe in. We don't end up using whatever percentage of it. Let's not put that stuff in. We're not going to use that stuff. That's that was an interesting point. I thought he made at the end of spring. And that's that NFL versus college football adjustment. Because I mean, college yeah, football, you, you want yeah. to put everything in, but you, you couldn't use it all. Because they had no base left. They had no. They had no foundation that when. And here's partly why their red zone defense sucked. It's partly why, and here's partly why they couldn't make big stops in big games. Because people say, well, you know, you didn't lose to Stanford because your defense. You didn't lose to Ohio State because your defense. And I'm like, well, that's true, but they had late leads in both both of those games, late third, mm-hmm. and especially Stanford, where your offense, as bad as it was, gave you a fourth quarter lead. Marshall, your offense gave you, as bad as it was, gave you a fourth-quarter lead, and then you proceeded to immediately give it back against yeah. Stanford. And then in two series, you had you had them backed up. Your offense and special teams pinned them inside the 10. It's third nine at, what, your own nine. All you got to do is play a slide route, an under, under slide. Well, just recognize it, and they're punting from their own end zone, and, and you probably go put that game away. And, and, and the reason they couldn't make stops in big games and in the red zone, Tim, is because they had no foundation. There was nothing they could hang their hat on. Where this offense, say what you want about it, when they needed a yard, you knew it was coming. They're going to go right. 12 or 13 right. person, they're going to run duo. That's just – if you can stop it, great. If you can't, whatever. This team had nothing to hang their hat on. And, and that the only way you can do that is if, hey, we got to cut some of the stuff out, 
and make sure that we know what we can hang our hat on. I still don't know if they have established a base, but I think they've at least cut down on some of the volume of stuff. And I think that's a positive. Now they got to figure out, well, what is our bread and butter? When we need a call on third and five against Ohio State, what is the thing that I know that these kids can execute at an elite level and and then call it? And I don't know that they've established that, but I think I feel a lot better about that potentially happening now than I did a year ago when he was talking about how we put everything in in the spring. I'm thinking, really? 15 practices, you got everything in? Okay, we'll see how that turns out, you know, and looked okay for a half <laughs> of the first game. And then, you know, you you because you didn't have anything you could turn to in the fourth quarter, say, what's that call to say, hey, we got to stop the bleeding? What's that call you make to stop the bleeding? And they couldn't do it. It was a double Good safety question. point, remember? Oh, God. <laughs> hey, there's no way they're going to recognize after this timeout, this injury timeout, that our the guy that's been doing a great job coverage all game is out, and we put a freshman in there. So let's do a double safety blitz and leave that kid on an island. Okay, that's great. This is kind of along those lines, Tim. Here's a question from Irish Blooded. He says, would you rather see Notre Dame play to the opponent's weakness or play to their strength regardless of the opponent? It's a great question, except if you watch the Clemson game last year, you come away thinking to yourself, holy cow, play into your strength right into the strength and teeth of that opponent. Look, I picked Notre Dame to beat Clemson last year on our podcast. I did not think they're going to beat him in that manner, the way they beat Clemson, where it was just taking it to the opponent's strength. I think... I mean, you have to be able to play to the opponent's weakness. You have to attack a weakness because Notre Dame has lost plenty of games when opponents attack their, attack their weakness. But 75%, 80% of the game is your strength. Doesn't matter what the other team does in most cases and go attack it. There's, you have to, when you see a weakness, you have to absolutely attack with impunity. But other than that, I, I think part of it is you are just, you're playing football at an elite level. Keep playing football at an elite level and then take your shots. If you haven't, I, I, when Trevor Lawrence looked over and saw Julian Love out, and I'm not, this isn't even a thing against Dante Vaughn, is Julian Love's out. And he looked over and he's probably like, all right, well, I'm taking I, I don't know shot. what the call is here, but I know what it's going to be on the next play. And that's, that is attacking a weakness, but playing to the strength. He also played to his strength. Trevor Lawrence's strength is what he did on that play, too. Play to the strength is my thing. And boy, did the Clemson point hammer it home for me last year. The answer to me is yes. And, and what I mean by that is this. you got to play to your strengths every game. And if you're not, you're not doing this coaching thing correctly. You're probably but not you good enough play to, to, your, to not play to your strengths that? as a college team. Say it again? How are you good enough to not play to your strengths in this sport? Too? Right. That's, that's another way. But everybody it. does. I mean, even yeah. if you look at the LSU 19 team, what was their strengths? They played to those. And, and you had a very accurate quarterback, big-time dynamic, big receivers. They played to that. Now – when you're talking about your your specific aspect of your game plan, there's two things that you look at when you're putting a game plan together. Number one is, and this is what I would always do when I was a pass game coordinator, this is what we would do on the, the best teams that I played on. You you go to and say, hey, look, here's who, who we are. We are an inside-outside zone team. Our two best players are this guy and this guy. We got to make sure that our game plan is worked around this. Now, how are we going to run inside-outside zone this week? Well, we think we can, we can do this, this, and this to gain some leverage or numbers advantages. Because one of the, the things that I think is a little bit of a misconception when you look at the Clemson game is that Notre Dame just ran their strengths right at Clemson's strengths. And I'd say, well, not really. Because one of the weaknesses of last year's Clemson team on defense is they did not handle motions and shifts very well. They just relied on, we're better than you. We're mm -hmm. just going to line up and be better than you. Brent Venables was very much a... I'm going to come from all angles and all the guy last year was just like, we're going to line up and we're better than you. 
And what Tommy Reese did a masterful job of in that game was, is yes, they ran their strength. Big picture, Notre Dame played to their strength. We are a power running team. But the motions and shifts that they did that whole game allowed Notre Dame to out-leverage Clemson the entire game. We never saw Notre Dame bounce in duos the way that they did in right. that game and other games. And it was because they would line a tight, up on, tight end on one side, and then they would motion a receiver on, around and have him lead outside. And they were just following the receiver. They were following the receiver. That's maybe why – you know why I don't know why some people think that Jaden Thomas is a tight end or something. I don't know. Yeah, they, they but, I think they did. They also they had faith in Jaden Thomas at that point. They probably didn't have yes. uh, in week two, three, four range that yes, really developed. Absolutely. And, and so what it allowed you to do was is we are going to play to our strength, and we're going to play to their weak. We're going to use our strength to attack their weakness. And I think the, the perception is, is that, well, no, you ran right at their strength and and you did big picture wise because great defensive line, great linebackers, mm-hmm. but you found a, a weakness in their scheme that you were able to exploit. And that's what I mean by both. Now, personnel wise, you're going to play to their weaknesses as well. They got three great defensive linemen, but that weak side end is a guy yeah. that we can dominate. So we're going to do things to take advantage of that. Clemson did a great job of that, I thought, in the 2020 the title game is they found weaknesses in Clark Lee's coverage structure that they were able to attack down the field. And so that's how they were able to get the big play to who, – who was that that had that big play in the slot? Was it uh, Amari, Amari Rogers? Was he the one that beat Sean Crawford on that big play that really sparked that Clemson? Oh, yeah, you Amari mean Rogers. in the 2020 uh, – In the 2020 ACC, ACC, ACC title game, game. Yes. Right. Yes. It was Amari Rogers, yeah. And so th- th- that's what you do is you play to your strengths, but then you attack your opponents' weaknesses with your strengths. That's what good teams do. How can I get my best receiver in ISOs against their the weaknesses of their coverage structure or their weaknesses of, of their secondary? I think that's part of it. But if you're not doing that around your strength, I don't know what you're doing. And I think that's something your that, point, that it was around their strength to your point. Cause Trevor Lawrence throwing downfield, looking off Kyle Hamilton and yes. hitting, attacking Notre Dame yes. is part of his, their strength. And they knew that if they lined up this way and, and had, I forget who the receiver was, but if you're looking here, you knew that Kyle Hamilton was immediately going to go right there. Yeah. I mean, you just, that's just what you knew. You watch film because that's what the coverage structure was. And then they're not going to come back and bang a backside post. It's just not kind of who they were. And they found that weakness and they they went to it for a big play. And that's one of those ones you have in your back pocket. Like when we need a big play, we've got this in our back pocket. Mm-hmm. I talked to Chip Long about this one time and I was like, you remember the wheel route they ran against Arizona State ran against Notre Dame in, in 14? Was it 14? Yeah, 14. He said, we knew we had that play the whole game. We were just going to, we just didn't know when we were going to use it. Right. When you're up 34 to three, you don't need to use it. Notre Dame had just scored to make it 34 31. 31. <laughs> We got we got to pull it out now, and they went right to it and big play. And you got Sheldon Day running with a wheel route because they knew based on how they could motion and shift and line up that they could get Notre Dame in that matchup where you're going to have a defensive lineman running with the running back on a wheel route, and they were just waiting on it. And that's part of it too. But they found a a a weak Sheldon Day is not a weakness of the Notre Dame team, but when he's trying to run in coverage, he is, and that's that's what good teams do as well. I think it's like Samson's point. Weren't the three of us talking at a practice when he said uh, Reggie Bush motioned out and Derek Curry went with him? And he just yes. thought, yeah, well, this, is a, this is a problem right we, here. Derek Curry's a good player, but this is a problem. And <laughs> and then we started going through all the different moments. Like, you know, yes. how did, when did you, when did you line up and know this is about to be a touchdown? Robert Woods. We talked <laughs> against Low Wood in 20, was it 2011? A lot of strength yeah. and a weakness going on. Yeah. In those, in those like, oh, this is going to be good. This is not going to be good. But that's what good teams do, right? And that's, like when Ohio State, when you see Tariq Bracey out, he's been giving you problems all game. 
what do you do? You go right at him. And then this is what frustrated me about against Georgia in 2019 is they were already playing the game without um, the one corner was already out. Tyson Campbell, I believe, was already out. Yeah. And then Eric Stokes gets knocked out by Liam Eikenberg at the end of the first series. And it wasn't until late second quarter and then again in the fourth quarter before Notre Dame actually went at him. Yeah. You got Chase Claypool and you never took him. And when they did go at him in the second quarter, it was with Lawrence Keyes. Now, Lawrence made a great play and Ian made a great throw. But it's just one of those things where that's this, you're not playing to your strengths or attacking their weaknesses, in my opinion. And I think that's been something that's been lacking from Notre Dame at times over the years. So uh, here, here's an important question. Ryan Roberts asks, what did Brian buy you for dinner when you won the bet in 2019? Actually, we just settled up on it last <laughs> I was week. Say, it just, we just had lunch. <laughs> so I don't know, Brian, what are you buying for dinner when I win that? Well, no. <laughs> well, that was the bet. So I did pay off the bet then. So lunch what did you have? Bet, we, yes. we had wings, you did, you did right? We went to wings, wings etc. Yeah, the, this year will be a dinner bet. That's good. There'll be more. Yeah. We've had I too like many was, ties. I feel like there was another tie, but it was during COVID, so there was no way of uh, getting a lunch bed or something. Like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to go anywhere. Was, we have to cut mile in. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, here's here's a good one. Fil- facilitate in form. What are Sam Hartman's weaknesses and, and that he needs to work on? You know, this is tough because Hartman, when you look at the numbers, he does put the ball in jeopardy. But I feel like he had interception numbers. I'm talking about. He, I think that was part of what Wake Forest offense needed to do to win. If you're throwing the ball downfield, attacking downfield, attacking one-on-one matchups, you're going to have more picks, three or four more over the course of a year than if your quarterback is super careful. And Notre Dame has had some very careful quarterbacks or they have protected their quarterbacks too. So Hartman, I think Notre Dame survives, thrives if he throws 10 picks this year. Whereas if Drew Pine throws 10 picks, 11 picks, you don't overcome that at all. No, you're getting blown out. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting blown out. If it's a good team anyway, you're getting blown out. I think another thing, too, is it, to that, Tim, it, some, you're, you're correct. Some of the turnovers need to – I can. it's not the number, it's the type. Right, right. The downfield ones are different. That's It's just yeah. you've attacked, you got picked off, it's different. And there were times last year at Wake, especially two years ago, at times last year, but more so two years ago, where it's like, dude, you're trying to fit that ball into three guys. There's no need for it. It's first and ten. Yeah, yeah. There's that, no need for it. The wrong type. That is definitely the yeah. wrong type of turnover. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to say, well, he's you, you got to live with that because he's also going to fit one in there on third and five with the game on the line, and you, yeah. you know, and that's a, the the balance that Nerdy needs to have is how do you clean up, you know? So like, if he throws 14 picks, what was it two years ago through 14? Last year through 12? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, it's two years ago. Yeah, two years ago was more. So he had 38 and 12. That's when you consider the fact that he threw well over 400 passes. I mean, guy's thrown over 900 passes the last two years. It's a pretty, pretty good, like, it's not a, a very, a real high touchdown or interception rate. And then you look at the touchdown rate and it's 38 to 12, 39 to 14. It's a yeah. very high touchdown interception ratio. You got to live with some of that in order to get the, the, the high. Cause what Notre, I felt Notre Dame did was they would kind of, in the past is they would be so turnover centered. Like you just can't do it that the quarterbacks were averse to trying to make plays. I think that's something that crippled Ian book. He wasn't a great processor anyway. I've never felt Ian book read defenses very well, but when you then throw in the whole, like I, I said this in 2020, I loved how Ian book came out against Duke taking chances, making throws. The minute he threw that pick where he sailed that crossing route, 
he just completely shut down and just went back to being what he was the year before. And it's just like he was so afraid. And then, of course, the Louisville game come and just like it was oh, yeah. just, he just yeah. unwilling to make plays. You have to balance that as a coach. You have to be willing to live with some turnovers from your quarterback as long as they're not stupid or crucial moments. That's the big thing. I would I would demand a little less this year because you have the running game to yeah. lean on to. You big don't, time. You don't, as you said, you don't have to fit it in there on first and 10 every time. How long does it take Sam Hartman to – mentally accept the fact he doesn't have to be that that's a big question that, that is going to be answered this answer. year yeah that's huge yeah i'm, I'm very curious to see how that goes and, and like we're like you know what i don't have to do this all by myself because mm-hmm. again this isn't wake forest you're not going to go score 34 52 and 55 points in three straight games against north carolina and lose here I'm not going to do that here. right Hopefully, on 250 you know? yards rushing against NC State, he realized, like, man, holding the hand the ball off works pretty well right here. This is pretty yeah. simple. Yeah, I don't let let me get. I don't have to make this play. Let me take the check down because I know if I can get us in the third and one, we're going to yeah. move the chains. I don't have to go make that play. That's going to be an interesting part of this. Tim is going to be how he mentally handles this aspect of it. Kyle Waits says, a lot of people ask you and uh, how you and Vince met, BD. How did you and Tim meet? It's very similar to me and Vince. It was in the press box. <laughs> it was just yeah, I was going to say. Football that was in the press 2010, box. probably? That was my first year, yeah. Okay, the 2010. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and yeah. so uh, you were at Scout at the time. You were at uh, right. Irish. What was, what was it called? Irish Eyes. Irish That's right. Eyes. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, Tim Tim has been my dude for a long time. So, um, Brian yeah, left just... in 2012 and Notre Dame went to the national championship game. I know. Yep. I know. <laughs> in, in fairness, they also lost to like Pitt the next year when I also wasn't there. Yeah, so, my, my powers uh, only last for a year. <laughs> yeah, they only last for a year. Uh, and I'm not even mad about the title game, Tim. I'm more mad that I didn't get to go to Norman. That's what I'm a little bit even more mad about. And I would have had somebody else pay me to go to Ireland. Whereas now, <laughs> if I want to go to Ireland, I got to by myself <laughs> yeah you know one of the one of the downfalls of being a business owner it's like what i don't have a company paying for me now dang it okay okay here we go uh i'm gonna go to this one here from irish trending what is your current confidence level for landing elijah rushing and justin's and justin scott what are the odds we land both so uh, i think he means the first one as individually and then the odds we land both the odds that they get both are very slim i like yeah I think so too. I it have is, more confidence in Scott. I hope you're right. I know. I hope I'm right too. <laughs> I have a little bit more confidence right mm-hmm. now in, in landing Elijah rushing, which is not great when you consider, I, I think they got a shot with rushing, but I'm not ready to say that they're going to, I mean, they're not as leader, right? but I don't know that there's yeah. a school that right now is trending for him. Like Miami is for Justin Scott. That's yeah. the only yeah. difference for me. So I, uh, Right now, if I had to predict, I would predict they get neither of them as of today, as of today. But by signing day, we'll see. We'll see if it changes or not. What are your thoughts on that, Tim? You seem feel like you have something you want to. I uh, know. I feel. I do, I don't have huge. I don't have incredibly high feelings for Scott, but I don't know if it's the. I don't know if he's from what I'm told. If he's that badly of a Miami focused lean. Right yeah, now. but but I I but when you say both are oh, here's the awful thing we'll often do at Irish Illustrated's podcast. What's more likely, both or none? I agree with you. 
I don't think I go there. Both are not, yeah. not fun. No. Both are not is not a fun game. That is no. not a great game to play. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're, not, you're never allowed to say. You're never allowed to say one. That's the point of both or none. You never yeah. allowed to forget say that. One. That's no fun. Yeah. And some people ask me which game would you rather lose. I'm no, not answering no, no, that no, question. No. I don't want to lose either one of those yeah. games. None of them. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, Nathan Milton asks, which Notre Dame coach, except minus Marcus Freeman, do you think will be the most recognized after this season for their success on the field? That's a good question. I'm going to go with Rudolph or Jared Parker. I'm, I'm going to go with Jared Parker. Yeah. And the reason I'm going to go with him is because I think there's less expectations for him. And, and, and <laughs> Rudolph because has of expectations. The, huh? That's well. I think if Rudolph have has success, you're going to have some people saying, well, he had that success because Coach Eastan laid the foundation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Fair or not, that's right. what some will say. Well, you inherited two great tackles yeah. and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think the expectations for Rudolph are very high, but I think right now because Parker's such an unknown that if Rudolph has success, you're like, well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do as you don't like Coach in Notre Dame. Duh. Where if Notre Dame goes out there and scores 38, 39 points yep. a game, or what the equivalent of that will be in this year's season where the running clock and those type of things more, I mean, maybe 36 is the new 30. I mean, th- you know, yeah. it's the new 39 or new 40 or something. I don't, I don't know. But basically your top 10 scoring offense. I think Parker's going to be the buzz much the way that Chip Long was in 2017. Remember that? I mean, Chip was like, oh, he may be the next head coach. It's like Reed Miami. He's been here 35. He's been here one year. But because the expectations were so low for that football team in 27 and and, and the way that they went out and did it, it's like, okay, he's your new guy. And then in 2018, Clark Lee became that guy because of how good the defense was. So I think because the expectations are for Jared Parker are just sort of like, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I have, I'm cautiously optimistic, Tim, from personally, but it's, it's a guess. It's a projection. Yeah. If this offense is what we think it's going to be, then all of a sudden, you know, magazine, oh, Jared Parker might be the next head coach from the, because that's just how it goes. I mean, you know, Garrett Riley's never been a full-time OC by himself. And people are already talking about, well, what team's he going to take over if they do well at Clemson this year? And you're like, pump the brakes a little bit on this one but that's why yeah, I, I guess you're right in that uh if joe rudolph's offensive line struggles at all it is yeah. automatically shifted to him because they yes. they quote unquote have the players so that's yeah that, right that, he, he's on a, right it's not a hot seat because i would like to be on a hot seat with a couple with an all-american a potential yes. all-american and a fifth year senior <laughs> and all that i agree but and i feel if the defense does really well this year it, same thing with al golden it'll be like well yeah this is what you should be doing mm-hmm. this is what you're supposed to do 
I think the other coach who could potentially be recognized a lot after the season, if Notre Dame is a playoff team, it goes back to a comment you made earlier. Al Washington has is, is very much been a whipping boy for Notre Dame fans, and in some ways, justifiably, when you look at some of the recruiting misses and the way the season last year went, et cetera, et cetera. I liked what he did this spring. I, I liked how his unit played together, the work, the things that they did in practices. If this is a playoff team, it's to your point, Tim, the D-line takes a big step up. And I think now all of a sudden, and to the previous question, if he can win one of those big recruiting battles, just give me one of those two. Give me Scott or rushing and then have the D-line play to their potential. And all of a sudden, Al Washington goes from, you know, the guy that's getting all the heat, right? Sometimes justifiably, sometimes you're like, well, where's the D coordinator in all this conversation, Right. To a guy that people are like, oh wow, you know, Elston who and all. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes with fans, right? Yeah. And and also justifiably because he, because the talent on the D line is not such that it's just get out of their way and let them go play. They no, have to be not. developed. People would note. People would say there would be a lot written about Al Washington's defensive line if they're playoff caliber and Notre Dame exits the Clemson game with one total loss. Yeah, and they leave Death Valley with the win. That's probably yeah. Here's that dumb thing. What do you want to lose? I don't want that to be the first. I don't want that to be the loss. I want that to be another big win. Yeah, because it, it just it's human nature that it propels you more so than your number no. two undefeated going into Clemson and lose. It's not that easy to get back. Your number six going into Clemson and win. Clemson was able to get away with that sixteen with the late loss to Pitt, yeah. but that's because of what they were, the, the reputation they had established from the right. year before. Yeah. Notre so, Dame doesn't uh, have that. You know, yeah. So let's say Al Washington has a playoff caliber line, and uh, after they beat Clemson, he brings in Scott. There you go. He gets recognized. And should. And should because, yeah. again, this is not just a don't screw it up situation. No, no, it's On the D-line. Develop is needed. If Riley Mills and Jordan Patello and all the guys yeah. we talked about are going to take that next step, it's because they got coached into playing to that level. You didn't just walk in and inherit an Isaiah Foskey and, and yeah. this veteran and that veteran who's already been coached and developed. You've got to do the developing. And so he would, he would justifiably get a lot of that love, more mm-hmm. so than Al Golden would get in my opinion. So yes, I think Al Washington could be that guy. And I, at this point, I don't know what Mike Mickens can do to get more love than he's already getting. So he's not in that conversation. I don't think Chris O'Leary is going to be that guy. I don't see the recruiting win to be in this conversation. Yeah. And he doesn't have the talent to work with either that partly his own fault. You know, he's been here long enough to where you should have at least a recruiting win or two that, that you didn't expect. But yeah, I think, I think Al Washington could certainly be that guy. And that would, I hope that we are having that conversation, to be honest with you. Chancey Stuckey's another one. If the receivers that you talked about step up, he's going to become the new favorite because he's already, I mean, he's already doing it. He's already pretty, he's already pretty high on the favorite list for people though. And this is this is recognition, not, not grades. Yes, absolutely. Here's an interesting one, Tim, from Brendan Hallinan. Brennan asks, who do you trust more, the Notre Dame O-line against an elite D-line or Notre Dame's linebackers against an elite rushing attack? I'm still with the Notre Dame O-line, even though I know the if you take a 10-game history of them against elite D-lines, it's not great. Um, the most recent one, obviously, was their best effort. I got to lean on the Alt-Fisher, fifth-year senior Carell, love Schroff, like that they will find something, even if it's 1A, 1B at right guard against an elite D-line. Don't tell me it's like Clemson's 2018 D-line or Georgia's 2021 front seven. That's different leaning on if you're just talking regular every day. I have a lot of faith in this offensive line. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
they they just whooped up on a team with no passing attack that had two first round draft picks. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 another guy, KJ Henry, went what round four or five, something like that. So yeah, at uh, and a third round pick at linebacker and another inside linebacker that people are talking about is a first team all American. Yes, yep. Right. And they they ripped them up. So that that's I'm I'm with you on that one as well. Salty Virginia Peanuts. I love one of my favorite names on here, Tim. Which game on the schedule is the most important? And you can interpret that as you like. And which is the trap game? The trap game, I think we already established that yes. one, Tim. That's Duke. Yes. What about the game? What is the game that's most important? And you can take most important in any way that you like. I'm going to take Ohio State because it sets the tone for the for the rest of the, of the possible run. Beating Ohio State, if they if they beat NC State 30 to 13 and lose to Ohio State 30 to 28, everybody's going to look at it as just Notre Dame's the second tier team yeah. this year. Uh, it would be a harder uphill climb to lose after Ohio State. I think I don't think it's close. I know the timing of the schedule of Clemson is huge. But Ohio State, well, my timing for Clemson being the first loss would include beating Ohio State. So I think they, have, I think the Ohio State game is the mo- is the uh, most important game. I think it, I think if you were going to make a hole, well, in order to get to Ohio State, you have to beat NC State first. Okay, that to me is not important. That's a tone setter. That's right. how I would explain that one. Because I know sometimes people say, well, that game doesn't matter if you're two and two. Well, okay, fine, whatever. But. If you are two and two and beat Ohio State, however, that completely changes the tone of your football season. Yeah. I mean, that that's so I think Ohio State is the big one. And and I think also too, the part you nailed on that I think is important, Tim, is not even just the what it means for your 23 football team, but just the statement that it makes for you nationally. The, the, the statement that you're sending to the country. The Oklahoma game in 2012 said more to college football oh, yeah. than the Stanford game did. But I think the Stanford game was the most important game of that season. A, they, they were, were a better, better team. team than Oklahoma. Exactly. And that was the dragon you couldn't slay. Yeah. They had dominated you. The only people on that roster that had ever experienced a win over Stanford were the fifth-year seniors. That's it, if you think about it. Yeah. And most of those games weren't competitive. So it, it's 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 that's, to me, Ohio State is a little bit of all of that because you have played them twice in the last decade. They beat you convincingly once and 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 showed in the second half they were the better team in the other yep. you know, and, and, and beat you both times. You haven't beaten them since, what, like the 40s or something absurd like that? You haven't played them very yeah. often. Yeah. That's such a huge statement win to me that it just – it not only defines your season, it, it, it sends your program in a completely different trajectory – as a program, not not as a team, because Lou Samoji would always talk about there's a difference between a team and a program. And 2023 team, it's huge, but it's even bigger, in my opinion, for right. the program. Well, if you think about it, they will have played then. They will have beaten in their last five home games. Number four, Clemson. Destroyed someone on senior day that was enjoyable for Notre Dame fans because it was sure. Boston College, even though they stink. Uh, two games that really don't matter, obviously, prior to Ohio State, but then Ohio State, number three. Those will be the last five home games will be Clemson, Ohio State, and Boston College. For a guy that started his home slates, losing to Marshall, looking terrible against Cal, and losing to Stanford. Boy, that was his first three home games, wasn't it? Yes. And then the next home game was against UNLV. That wasn't right. exactly any great shakes and either. You can't even, you can't even take credit in that situation. <laughs> right. Congratulations. Right. You beat That's UNLV. a great but, point. Yeah. So that, that a, would change the tone, too. In a team that hadn't lost much at home in the previous five right. years. Oh no, that was Brian. That was what that's helped Brian Kelly 
revamp what he had going was right. they beat teams they should beat at home and they beat Clemson one time at home. Because they lost to Cincinnati in 21, but before that, wasn't the most recent home loss like back in 17? It was Georgia. Yeah. Both of those are, and both of those are really good team. I mean, Georgia was a great team and Cincinnati was a playoff team. Yeah. And everyone is saying, Tim, uh, you passed the test. That is the answer. Okay. Yeah. Apparently to salty Virginia peanuts, it was a, it was a trap for you, apparently, <laughs> Tim. Uh, <laughs> to make sure you got that, you got that. I do not fall for trap games. Uh, I would say the other the other trap game. I, I think if if you, Duke is one, that's easy one. But I think your point about about um, Pitts and, is one as well. Because if you come yeah, out of that game because you're you get your bye week, you're feeling if if you if you are a one loss or fewer team, you're focused on Pitt. But it's that big game down in South Carolina in a couple weeks. It's you know. So I think that can be a bit of a trap game too. And I don't think Pitt's record is going to be phenomenal at that time. Cause like Duke could have a pretty good record at that time, but it's still Duke. You know I mean? It, 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 they won't garner the respect from fans that they should. And I was like, I, until I talked until I was blue in the face, guys, Marshall's not a bad football team, but no one believed it before. And they still don't believe it now. It's just Notre Dame's terrible. It's like Tulsa in 2010. Tulsa was the worst loss. I'm like, that was not their worst loss of the season. Are you kidding me? That was one of the better teams they played that year. Yeah, they had better skill position players, including quarterback at that situation than Notre Dame did in that game. Because Floyd was hobbled a little bit. Tommy Reese had to come in. They had, I actually, it is my crowning achievement of people hating me. I picked Tulsa. Oh, really? Okay. Well, you got it right, so they shouldn't. (laughs) On you. Well, and Charles Clay, I believe, spent a lot of years in the NFL. They're tight they end. They're H-back like, tight end guy on that team. They had Demoris Johnson. I'm going to get this wrong, yeah. but it was close to this. They had something like 3,700 yards receiving career from their three yeah. guys. And they, I mean, it, it that's incredible at, yeah. at Tulsa. So, yes. anyway, there, there's, your, there's your Tulsa moment we don't want to relive. Also, it, isn't G.J. Not. Kenny? He's a, like an O.C. somewhere now, right? Yeah. Isn't he? he? I believe. I believe he is, yeah. So, yeah, that was a good football team. Unfortunately, now again, not a team. It we can say a team's good and still say Notre Dame had no business losing that game, right? Right, and, and to me, that's how Marshall was. I had no business losing that game. There's no excuse that's why for the game. Stanford game is worse because they're a bad football right. team. But Notre they Dame were terrible. No exactly, exactly. Marshall's the least good. Tulsa's the least good. Uh, Ryan just texted me said GJ is actually head coach now. Ryan, we're uh, Incarnate Word. Okay, so he's actually head coach now uh, at Incarnate Word. So that's um. I always like seeing those former players that you, you know, it's like Josh Heupel, still weird. Like he doesn't look anything now like he did. When he was <laughs> I know that is weird because that's a yeah. high level too. That's a little different. Yeah. 